The following program is a recording of a live broadcast transmitted 7 a.m. Beijing time. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you by China Radio International. Shane Begum with you on this Tuesday, June eighteenth, two thousand nineteen. You're listening to the Beijing Hour live from the Chinese capital. On the program this morning, the Chinese president will visit North Korea on Thursday and Friday. China's top economic planner says the country will roll out new policies on rare earth exports, and officials in Iran say the country will break the uranium stockpile limit. That was set in the 2015 nuclear deal. In business, the Shanghai London Stock Connect is open for trading. In sports, Team China advances at the Women's World Cup. Entertainment, the Asian New Talent Awards. First of all, a check of the day's headline news. Six people have been confirmed dead and 75 others injured after a strong earthquake hit Sichuan late on Monday. The 6.0 magnitude tremor mainly hit Chengneng and Gongshan counties in Ibin City, that are roughly 300 kilometers from the provincial capital Chengdu. It also caused damage to highways and affected local mobile services. Rescue operations are still underway, but it's feared that heavy rain may hamper that effort. Authorities have activated an emergency. Emergency response and a work team from the central government's arrived to provide guidance in rescue and disaster relief. Premier Li Keqiang is reiterating China's commitment to an international system centered on the United Nations. Meeting the current president of the UN General Assembly in Beijing, Li suggested、uh, the global situation is complex with many challenges. He called on the international community to jointly safeguard the status and role of the UN, adhere to the purpose and principles of the UN Charter, and maintain international justice and fairness. Maria Fernanda Espinosa Garces said. That she stands ready to work with all parties to uphold multilateralism and the international order. The Chinese vice president sat down for talks with the top Syrian diplomat in Beijing. Wang Qishan reaffirmed China's support for Syria in safeguarding its sovereignty, independence, and territorial integrity, and in pursuing a path of development chosen by its people. Walid Malam said his country views China as a diplomatic priority and welcomes China's participation in its reconstruction process. He added that Syria stands ready to participate in the Belt and Road Initiative. China and Britain are pledging to strengthen cooperation on the Belt and Road Initiative and support the multilateral trading system after their latest economic and financial dialogue, co-chaired by Chinese Vice Premier Hu Chunhua and British Chancellor of the Exchequer Philip Hammond. The meeting included extensive discussions ranging from trade and investment to big project partnerships and financial reform. The two sides also signed a slew of cooperation documents on third-party market cooperation, financial services. And other areas. For breaking news and stories that matter to you, find us on Twitter by searching for China Plus News, where we'll share with you our up-to-the-minute news, in-depth analysis, and live streaming videos. Visit China Plus News for your window on China and the world. About four minutes past the hour, it's been announced that Chinese President Xi Jinping will visit North Korea this week. The state visit on Thursday and Friday comes at the invitation of North Korean leader Kim Jong Un. This will be the first visit by Chinese head of state in 14 years. The two countries are marking the 70th anniversary of diplomatic ties this year. 
China's top economic planner says the country will roll out new policies on rare earth exports. The National Development and Reform Commission is collecting opinions on pursuing high-quality growth of its rare earth industry. Commission spokesperson Meng Wei. We will study and work out policies and measures as soon as possible so that we can give full play to the special value of rare earth as a strategic resource. We will accelerate the construction of a rare earth industry development pattern with reasonable industrial structure, advanced science and technology, effective resource protection and orderly production so as to promote the high-quality growth of China's rare earth industry. Efforts will also be made to tighten supervision on illegal production, advance green development, and protect intellectual property rights, among ads that China is willing to try its best to satisfy global demand for rare earth, as long as it's used for legitimate purposes. She also expresses opposition to attempts that use products made from China's rare earth resources to suppress the country's development. China's the world's top rare earth resources producer, with the largest reserves of rare earth material. China's top economic planner says the country has a good foundation for keeping price levels stable. Meng Wei's spokesperson for the National Development and Reform Commission. Generally speaking, China's supply of agricultural and manufactured goods and services is adequate, and the consumption has been growing steadily, thus providing a solid foundation for keeping the general price level stable. Among says recent hikes were mainly caused by price increases for pork and fruit due to factors including abnormal weather conditions. She adds that prices are expected to fall into a normal range. The founder and CEO of Chinese tech giant Huawei says the company expects a revival in business in 2021. Ren Chengfei says Huawei will reduce its output by an estimated value of 30 billion U.S. dollars in the next couple of years. Huawei's sales revenue this year and next year should be around 100 billion U.S. dollars. But in 2021, we will once again show great vitality in serving society. In the next two years, our company will switch many solutions and products to newer additions. But after we complete this phase, Huawei will have become stronger. The CEO adds that his company's current setbacks uh, were caused by some American politicians instead of U.S. companies. U.S. companies have moral conscience. They are great. As Huawei's development in the past 30 years was realized amid support and help from globally advanced companies. Our current setbacks are caused by some politicians' different views of things. But we didn't expect that the U.S. would be so strategically determined to take such wide-ranging measures against Huawei. However, we deem that the U.S. moves will not be able to stop Huawei's steps forward. He adds that Huawei will continue to strengthen cooperation with U.S. companies and use U.S. components and parts in their products. American businesses and trade associations are telling the Trump administration that an escalating trade war with China will hurt families, jobs, and the U.S. economy. The U.S. Trade Representative's office is holding public hearings that will consider extending the 25% tariffs to practically all Chinese imports. Neil Bradley is the executive vice president of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. 
What we're urging is, rather than more tariffs and an escalation, both sides need to come back to the table. They need to get back to the point where we were, you know, roughly two months ago. They need to finish this deal. And if they finish this deal, that'll be good for both near-term and long-term economic growth, particularly here in the United States. The new tariffs will be on goods previously not hit with levies, including toys, shirts, and household goods. Bradley says the tariffs will cause American businesses great trouble and uncertainty certainty. Uh, it's certainly causing businesses to relook at their supply chain and their structure, but that's obviously easier said than done, right? In many cases, you're talking about long-standing, complicated supply chains, relationships based on quality assurances and things that have been worked out over a significant period of time. You can't simply just pick that up and move it somewhere else, all right? So yeah, I think what folks are really looking for is what's the long-term trajectory? I think more than anything else, that's what American businesses are looking for, is a little more certainty about what the future looks like. More than 600 other companies and trade associations, including Walmart and Target, have signed a letter calling for the White House to remove the tariffs. The Chinese government says the country and the Philippines will properly handle a boat collision incident uh, between the two sides. A Chinese vessel and a Filipino fishing boat collided in the waters of Reed Bank in the South China Sea last week. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Lu Kang. It was an accidental collision of fishing boats at sea. It is inappropriate to link it to the friendship between the two peoples or the ties between the two countries, or to even politicize the accident. China will continue to investigate the incident in a comprehensive and serious manner with a high sense of responsibility. We are also ready to strengthen communication with the Philippines to enhance trust and clarify misunderstandings so that we can exchange our investigation progress and find out the cause and the details of the incident. We believe that China and the Philippines will properly handle the issue based on facts in the spirit of cooperation and friendship. Lu adds that China's expressed condolences to the fishermen of the Philippines who were killed in the accident. Now, the two sides have had several conversations through different channels. Ten minutes past the hour, Nobel laureate Tu Yoyo has announced a major breakthrough in dealing with artemisinin, or artemisinin resistance in malaria treatment. My team has found that a rational use of the artemisinin combination therapy is the best solution to the resistance. Prolonging the period of taking the medicine or replacing the partner drug could solve the problem. Artemisinin remains the number one choice in the fight against the malaria. Artemisinin is an active ingredient extracted from sweet wormwood that was used in ancient Chinese therapy to treat illnesses, including fevers typical of malaria. Tu won the 2015 Nobel Prize for the discovery of artemisinin. But she uh, also admitted the uh, drug resistance remained a big challenge for anti-malaria workers. In announcing the latest research results, the scientists also said her team has found a special effect of artemisinin in treating lupus. This is a collection of autoimmune diseases in which the human immune system becomes hyperactive and attacks healthy tissue. A new report says the number of drug addicts in China declined last year through a series of national campaigns to crack down on drug trafficking. However, the same report notes authorities are facing more challenges in containing the import and sale of illegal drugs, as well as problems with newer varieties of drugs being discovered in China. CRI's Guoyan has more. 
In releasing the analysis compiled by the China National Narcotic Control Committee, Deputy Director Liu Yuejin says the overall number of drug abusers in China declined last year. However, he says authorities are noticing a change in the drug use patterns among those addicted. Currently, there are 2.4 million drug addicts nationwide, down 5.8 percent from a year earlier. The number of abusers of methamphetamine reached 1.35 million, accounting for 56 percent of the total. Methamphetamine has replaced heroin as the most abused drug in China. The report says the nationwide campaign to fight drug trafficking is having an impact, with 110,000 drug-related cases dealt with last year. Among them, 140,000 criminal suspects were arrested, while over 700,000 drug users have also been caught over the past year. However, Gao Wei with the National Narcotic Control Office says authorities need to remain vigilant, noting that non-traditional narcotics are beginning to show up more frequently in China. For example, the so-called gold water is a mixture of multiple drugs, including ketamine and methamphetamine. Various categories of new types of drugs are quite deceptive and tempting for adolescents. These cases should raise public awareness. The report also warns of a likely increase in cross-border drug crimes, particularly due to the fact that Canada, as well as certain U.S. states, have legalized marijuana. Last year saw Chinese authorities bust 125 cases in which marijuana was packed in parcels and mailed from North America to China. Gao Wei with the National Narcotics Control Office says stopping illegal drugs from entering China is an ongoing challenge. The Golden Triangle region is the biggest source of drugs, and as North America East policies on marijuana, the cross-border drug crimes tend to be severe. To deal with the new challenges, we will intensify efforts to collect information about the drug dealing activities in the region and expand international cooperation in combating drug dealing with related countries. Chinese narcotics officials say their main focus this year has been on hitting at the source of illegal drugs, with a priority being put on busting drug manufacturers as well as those who sell the illegal drugs. For CRI, this is Guo Yan. Want to know what's trending in China? China Plus News Facebook page helps you to discover the real China, from the latest news to quirky Chinese inventions. Videos, photos, live streaming, and more. Join in the conversation today by searching for China Plus News on Facebook and discover its news, its people, its traditions, and culture. China Plus News Facebook page. Open your eyes to the real China. Right, fifteen minutes past the hour. Iran's atomic agency says the country will break the uranium stockpile limit set by the country's nuclear deal with world powers reached in 2015. The country is expected to cross the limit of 300 kilograms for the production of low-grade enriched uranium in the next 10 days.、Uh, Baruz Kemalvandi is the spokesperson for the Atomic Energy Organization of Iran. Regarding increasing our enriched uranium, we have considered various scenarios. This could be from 3.7 percent up to any other percentage. Each percentage depends on conditions. 
It is decided based on the country's needs. Our country easily needs 20 percent. Kamalvandi adds that the country's heavy water stockpile may exceed the 130-ton limit permitted under the Iranian nuclear deal in two and a half months. He calls on the European signatories of the deal to observe their commitments to ensure Iran's economic interests under the pact, or it'll take further steps to scale back from its nuclear obligations. Iran withdrew last month from implementing part of the deal and spared a 60-day deadline for the signatories to address its interests under the pact. That comes a year after U.S. President Donald Trump withdrew from the deal and resumed sanctions on Iran. The European Union's foreign policy chief is urging people not to jump to conclusions without proper information after Iran announced it'll break the uranium stockpile limit that was set in the 2015 nuclear deal. Federica Mogherini says she'll not speculate before an official report on Iran's compliance with the deal is issued. Our assessment uh, on the implementation of the nuclear deal uh, has never been is not and will never be based on statements, but on the um, evaluation that the IEA uh, makes, uh, the reports uh, that the IEA produces, uh, and that can be done at any time, uh, because we base our assessments and our judgments on facts, uh, on the verification mechanisms that are in place and that we trust. Uh, announcements uh, are relevant elements of uh, political um, dialectics, Uh, but uh, um, our assessment on the um, implementation of the agreement is based on the factual, technically sound assessment and evaluation that the IEA um, makes uh, in its reports. Russian President Vladimir Putin's spokesperson Dmitry Peshkov says Iran's a fully transparent country in terms of this nuclear issue. Iran is the most examined country by the IAEA. There is full transparency provided in these terms and the IAEA admits it. That's the first. And the second, the very recent inspection by the IAEA and the report of the IAEA concluded that Iran completely fulfills its obligations. We proceed from this. U.S. State Department spokesperson Morgan Ortegas calls on the international community not to yield to, quote, nuclear extortion by Iran. We have made it very clear since this president came into office and since the secretary came here that we will not tolerate Iran obtaining a nuclear weapon, full stop. So any actions that they take to get a nuclear weapon will be countered by a maximum pressure campaign by the United States government that continues to this day. There should be no relieving of sanctions for their malign and unacceptable behavior. Tensions between the U.S. and Iran worsened after the U.S. reportedly released what it claims is evidence that Iran was behind two alleged attacks on oil tankers near the Strait of Hormuz. Iran's denied being involved in those attacks. Egypt's state TV says the country's ousted president died after collapsing during a court session. Egyptian state television announced Mohamed Morsi's death. Mohamed Morsi died today while attending a session in his trial on espionage charges. During the session, he was granted permission to address the judge. 
After the session was adjourned, the formal president blacked out and then died. His body was taken to a hospital. Now, Morsi,、uh, who hailed from Egypt's largest Islamist group,、uh, the now outlawed Muslim Brotherhood, was elected president in 2012. The military ousted Morsi in 2013 after massive protests. India has decided to raise tariffs on 29 items from the U.S., including almonds, walnuts, and apples, after a delay of roughly a year. It came after the Trump administration's withdrawal of key trade privileges for New Delhi earlier in、uh, the month.、Uh, U.S. President Trump and Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi are set to meet at the G20 summit in Japan later this month. And for more on this, Siraj Sui spoke to Atul Anija, reporter for the Hindu. So first of all, Mr. Anija, how big of an impact do you foresee these tariffs will put on the bilateral trade between India and the United States? Well,、uh, in terms of、uh, actual numbers, not too much because I think the trade between India and the United States is about 940 billion dollars, and this particular issue will be confined to about 240 million dollars. So the figures vary from from publication to publication. Uh, it is said some publications say it's 1.4 billion dollars which will be affected, but many other say it's about 240 million. So in terms of the total trade volumes, it's not that much. But I think the bigger message which goes on is that、uh, India has taken this step vis-a-vis United States, and therefore is sending a political message more than an economic message.、Mm-hmm. And it comes during a certain context in which India, under Prime Minister Narendra Modi after his re-election, seems to be moving closer. To both China and Russia, and towards the Eurasian construct rather than the West. So I think more than the economic, it's the political messaging which is going around here, which is very, very significant.、Mm. So what are the sticking issues when it comes to their bilateral trade? Oh, well.、Uh, You see what had really what has triggered this is uh, uh, is the that there was prefer- preferential access for Indian products worth about five billion dollars、uh, in the United States, and、uh, that has been scrapped by the United States. So that was really the trigger for India to enforce the retaliatory measures, which, as you said earlier, had actually the decision had been taken earlier, but the enforcement has come now. So trigger for that has been restriction of Indian products to the United States. Well,、uh, so it's it, it's not so much.、Uh, there are other issues. For example, India is interested in more number of its personnel and services to get into the United States. Those are some certain issues which concern India much more. The United States is very interested in selling its oil and gas to India, and I think India has started deliberating on that as well. So、uh, I think the overall context is such that. India has taken this badly, this restriction of、uh, ex- preferential access, and is showing a capacity or an intent to retaliate, not in just economic terms, but I said、uh, more in terms of signaling that、uh, it may be moving away from the United States and closer towards the U- Eurasian landmass. And we saw that with Mr. Modi's uh, uh, attendance at the SEO summit, where he had bilaterals with、uh, President Xi, he had with President uh, uh, Putin, and now the two are going to meet again.、Uh, in fact, the three are going to meet again at the East Asian Forum, and in the G20, there's a trilateral plan between the three leaders. So I think there's a there's a fair amount of signaling、uh, being say, being given by the by Prime Minister Modi himself that、uh, it's not going to take. Uh, uh, you know,、uh, it's 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 willing to take a position, hardline position vis-a-vis the United States、uh, after the Mr. Trump's decision to get into a mini trade war with India.、Mm. I think the political signaling seems to be very clear.
So talking about the intention of the Trump administration, it's been argued it's also could about India's purchase of Russia's S-400 defense system. So it's like not just about trade, but also about strategic issues. What's your I, take? I I agree fully with that. I think bigger strategic issues are coming into play over here. And S-400, uh, the Americans have been very clear in in opposing uh, this deal. And uh, even ahead of Mr. Pompeo's visit to India. Uh, the issue has been raised again that this might impede the Indo-U.S.、Uh, defense trade. But from India's point of view, I think we have a major issue about Iranian oil, for example, which、uh, you know there is a extra、uh, territorial jurisdiction being a, of U.S. law, which prevents、uh, India from buying Iranian oil, which is which on which Indian many Indian refineries are highly dependent, and it shares this concern with with China and also with South Korea and and with.、Japan. That's Atul Anija, reporter for the Hindu. Teenagers in Germany are teaching younger tech-savvy kids how to safely navigate the digital world. Sirai Zanella Budalisi reports. Over two-thirds of kids in Germany have smartphones by the age of eleven, and like most children around the world, many are inundated with daily messages. However, many don't have the capacity to handle inappropriate or hurtful posts. With many parents and teachers lacking the digital skills of the younger generation, German authorities have decided peer education is the best approach in tackling the problem. At Gesamtschule Bauberg High School in the city of Essen in western Germany. Teenagers teach their younger schoolmates about cyberbullying and the kind of appropriate material to post. Eighteen-year-old Chantal Huben is a peer educator with the Media Scouts program. We are just on the same level. We are also students, and I also believe that we can build up this body relationship with them. Which definitely contributes to learning because it encourages them more. In 2011, the North Rhine-Westphalia states launched the Media Scouts program to teach students how to stay safe and sane online. Since then, 11 of the 16 states in Germany have implemented similar programs, reaching hundreds of schools. Experts and teachers say the program has been a success. Sven Halvorsen. Is the head of the Media Scouts project with the Federal State Media Authority in North Rhine-Westphalia. Yes, the Media Scouts project promotes media competencies in schools, and an important approach is the peer education approach, which means that four media scouts are trained per school. They are usually at the age of 15, and these four media scouts then train all other schoolmates. This is education or training at eye level. Beyond teaching children how to deal with the daily stress of digital communication. Experts in Germany suggest there's also a need to teach young people how to protect themselves from online bullying, sexual predators, or fake news. Vera Servati is a teacher and a Media Scouts guidance counselor. The reality of life for pupils means that the media is central to their everyday lives. We chose media scouts to talk to students about certain things, like asking them how life is going and telling them why they should occasionally take a break from their mobile phones. 
is always different and effective, coming from peer counselors who are at high level. Beyond practical tricks such as turning off incoming message notifications, the older students in the mentoring program are also recommending the younger students learn to take breaks from their smartphones. Older students in Germany also go through workshops about more adult issues with social media, including media copyrights issues and sexting. For CRI, I'm Zanele Butelezi. It's time for a short break on the Beijing Hour. Still to come in business, the Shanghai London Stock Connect is open for trading. In sports, Team China advances at the Women's World Cup. Entertainment, the、uh, Asian New Talent Awards. Shane Begum with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. Want to know what's trending in China? China Plus News Facebook page helps you to discover the real China, from the latest news to quirky Chinese inventions, videos, photos, live streaming, and more. Join in the conversation today by searching for China Plus News on Facebook and discover its news, its people, its traditions and culture. China Plus News Facebook page. Open your eyes to the real China. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour. One hour of news and information brought to you by China Radio International. Shane Begum with you on this Tuesday morning. Still to come in business, European telecom equipment makers Ericsson and Nokia have won key 5G contracts in China. In sports, early action from the Copa America includes a decisive victory for Ecuador in its Group C opener. Entertainment short films competing for the Golden Goblet Award will be screened in Shanghai on Thursday. Get in touch by email. Beijing Hour at cri dot com dot cn on Twitter and Facebook. Search for China Plus News. Download the China Plus app or visit china plus dot cri dot cn for the latest news and information from China Radio International. Now checking the day's headline news: six people have been confirmed dead and seventy-five others injured after an earthquake hit Sichuan late on Monday. The six-point-zero magnitude tremor mainly hit Chengning and Gongshan counties of Yiban City, roughly three hundred kilometers from the provincial capital Chengdu. It also caused damage to highways and affected local mobile services. Rescue operations are still underway, but it's feared that heavy rain may hamper that effort. Authorities have activated an emergency. Emergency response. A work team from the central government's arrived to provide guidance in rescue and disaster relief. It's been announced that Chinese President Xi Jinping will visit North Korea this week. The state visit on Thursday and Friday comes at the invitation of North Korean leader Kim Jong Un. It's the first visit by a Chinese head of state in 14 years. The two countries are marking the 70th anniversary of diplomatic ties this year. A new report says Chinese authorities seized close to 68 tons of drugs last year. The report by the National、uh, China National Narcotics Control Commission shows over 137,000 suspects were arrested, along with 279,000 addicts going through compulsory drug rehab in 2018. The same report also warns that new types of drugs are being discovered among younger people at entertainment venues. 
Iran's atomic agency says the country will break the uranium stockpile limit set by the country's nuclear deal with world powers reached in 2015. The country is expected to cross the limit of 300 kilograms for the production of low-grade enriched uranium in the next 10 days. A spokesperson for the National Atomic Agency adds that Iran's heavy water stockpile may exceed the 130-ton limit permitted under that deal in two and a half months. He calls on the European signatories of the deal to observe their commitments to ensure Iran's economic interests under the pact, or it says it'll take further steps to scale back from its nuclear obligations. Iran withdrew last month from implementing part of the deal and spared a 60-day deadline for the signatories to address its interests under the pact. Uh, That comes a year after U.S. President Donald Trump withdrew from the deal and resumed sanctions on Iran. 34 past the hour, turning to business news now. We'll start with the closing numbers in North America and Europe. U.S. stocks rose slightly on Monday, led by gains in tech. Facebook climbed 4.2%, while Netflix gained 3.2%. Amazon advanced by 0.9%, and Alphabet rose by 0.7%. The Fed is scheduled to start a two-day monetary policy meeting later today. Expectations for any policy changes are low, but investors will look for clues about potential rate cuts in July and then later this year. Worries over the economy have increased recently after jobs growth and manufacturing activity slowed last month. The Fed will make its monetary policy announcement tomorrow. At the closing bell, the Dow and the S&P 500 were slightly higher than flat. The Nasdaq gained 0.6%. European markets closed marginally lower on Monday with a profit warning from Germany's Lufthansa hitting airline stocks. The European travel and leisure sector underperformed other major European sectors as Lufthansa plunged 11.6% and kept Germany's DAX pressured. The group lowered its profit outlook for this year, citing price competition from low-cost rivals in Europe. French luxury stocks Keering and LVMH, contributing to the CAC 40's gains, rose more than 1%. Pierre Chanel reported higher annual sales and profits on Monday. At the closing bell, the UK UK's FTSE 100 grew by two-tenths of a percent. France's CAC 40 rose four-tenths of a percent, and Germany's DAX was slightly lower than flat. The Shanghai London Stock Connect is open for trading as brokerage Huatai Securities became the first Chinese company to go public in Britain via the long-awaited program. And CRI reporter Liang Tao has more. Under the new system, companies listed in Shanghai can now raise funds on the London Stock Exchange where global depository receipts issuance, while British companies can issue China depository receipts on the Shanghai Stock Exchange. The China Securities Regulatory Commission said this marks a crucial step in the opening up of China's capital market and in the China-Britain cooperation in the financial sector. City of London Corporation Policy Chair Catherine McGinnis described the Stock Connect as a game-changer for bilateral financial cooperation. The hugely ambitious Shanghai-London Stock Connect has been one of the most highly anticipated bilateral initiatives in recent years. It could prove to be a game-changer in deepening UK-China financial cooperation and expanding access to China's capital markets. She noted that it would be of far-reaching significance 
to expand channels for cross-border investment and fundraising and boost the development of both countries' capital markets. Linking one of the world's largest capital markets with one of the world's most international financial centres is good news for the UK, China and the wider global economy. It means global investors can now benefit from China's growth through London, while UK-listed companies are able to access Chinese investors directly. Currently, the quarter for eastbound business is set at 250 billion yuan, while that for westbound business stands at 300 billion yuan. China and Britain agreed to carry out a feasibility study on a stock connect between London and Shanghai during the seventh China-Britain economic and financial dialogue in 2015. For CRI, I'm Liang Tao in London. The Chinese Ministry of Finance says it'll issue yuan-denominated treasury bonds worth five billion yuan in Hong Kong on Thursday. The ministry plans to issue bonds worth 15 billion yuan in overseas markets this year. European telecom equipment makers Ericsson and Nokia have won key 5G contracts in China. The news comes after China Mobile announced it's awarded its first round of 5G network equipment contracts worth two billion U.S. dollars. China Mobile procured 153 units of MME telecom equipment from Ericsson, which accounts for 34 percent of the company's procurements. Nokia provided 56 units, accounting for 12 percent. China Mobile aims to offer 5G commercial services in 40. Cities by September, and with more on this, we're now joined by CRI financial analyst Anur Tanjin. Good morning. Good morning.、Uh, so analysts say the move showcases the country's open attitude、uh, to all international players when rolling out the superfast technology. So,、uh, what advantages are there for China in sharing its multi-billion-dollar telecom market with others? Well, quite frankly, it showcases that China is、uh, not afraid of competition.、Uh, unlike uh, uh, other countries, they're not adopting the Uh, the Trump-esque view that you trip up your opponent, you simply compete against them and include them. So、uh, it's it's very important for this message to go across as China seeks to thread its way through this tra- trade war. Well,、uh, a string of foreign companies, including Nokia, Qualcomm, and Intel, have already participated in three phases of technical testing to get their 5G products and solutions ready for commercial use in China. So, how significant is the Chinese market overall for these companies? Oh, it's massive.、Uh, China will be the、uh, first one out of the、uh, blocks. I mean, there are other testing, there are other sites, U.S., Switzerland,、uh, etc. But、uh, China is、uh, the first really large rollout where you're going to see significant、uh, services being offered.、Uh, China Mobile is really、uh, on the lead edge of this. They have the most robust plan. Uh, they have done a tremendous amount of work in making sure that all the components of 5G are working. Now, remember, 5G is a standard. It is not, you know, it's a whole bunch of things. It's not only the handset, but it's it's the radios at frequencies, and then there's a backbone connection. You know, all of these things have to be、uh, very, very carefully controlled, and they're not all controlled by one entity. So this is this myth that you can, you know, like. Cut out companies. If these companies have、um, essential IP like Huawei, very very difficult. So China is trying to recognize reality and say, look, the way forward is together, not apart. Well, China Mobile says the next generation tech is expected to be at least ten times faster than 4G, and its huge capacity to connect things will enable smart factories, self-driving vehicles, which we've talked about a lot here, and other applications. So,、um, now, which industries do you expect to benefit the most from the 5G rollout? 
Well, remember, this is a communications uh, protocol, so anything that involves uh, the need for communication, and that includes identification. So look for a lot of things happening in the fintech sector. Also, agriculture. Imagine, you know, now that you have real-time modeling of what's happening uh, with crops as it's going. You don't need to wait six weeks for the crop report. You can actually uh, use the satellite images. Everything can be put together. It can then be crunched through um, artificial intelligence, and it gives you a very good idea of what things are. This means that there will be less delays and less cost uh, because you can start moving things from areas that are not doing well. Uh, you know, soybean is, is bad in this area, but it's good in this area. You can get the uh, shipments and contracts in place so that it's a very much smoother operation. Same thing in aviation. You can now model real-time uh, wind factors at uh, airports so you can you know, prevent these accidents due to something called wind shear, where you have a, a rapid uh, decrease in, in air. I mean, it just goes on and on. A lot of people are concentrating on games and cloud services and things like this, but also think municipal services, this idea of knowing exactly who you are, being able to get your services over the internet depends on security. A lot of that depends on the uh, quality of information and how uh, quickly you can get that. These are all areas which it will be fairly uh, uh, life-changing in terms of, as I said, this kind of communications factor. Thank you very much for that chat. That's uh, CRI Financial Analyst Einar Tangent joining us this morning. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, 60 minutes of comprehensive news, your window on China and the world. Turning now to sports, and here's Yang Guang. Thank you, Shane. At the Women's World Cup, Team China played to a goalie draw with Spain and ensured themselves a spot in the last 16. China finished level on four points with Spain, but is one goal behind. They are guaranteed to finish as a best third-placed side. Spain had 24 short attempts in the game, but was denied by China goalkeeper Peng Shimon, who was named the player of the game. I hit my shoulder on the post on a play and it still hurts, but it's worth it. I was nervous in the beginning of the game, and I think so does everyone else on the team. But we relaxed later on. We dropped some other considerations and were highly concentrated on every play on the pitch. I hope I can help my team and we can go further. China has advanced to the knockout stage at each of its seven World Cup appearances. Coach Jia Xiuquan says the team display their determination with solid defense. Earning this one point was really hard. I'm touched by our players' fighting spirit and energy. Our target of moving forward remains and our confidence grows. We have our own style of plays and get the result we wanted. My players didn't play out the offense we needed under pressure, but did well in defense. Spain qualifies for the knockout stages for the first time as Group B runners-up. Germany sealed their position as group winners, beating South Africa 4-0 in the other game of the group. China has avoided a potential last 16 encounter with defending champion the United States, but could face England if the latter tops Group E. In other action, host France finished the top of Group A with a 1-0 win over Nigeria. France won controversially by a twice-taken penalty. Their initial penalty hit the post, but the Nigerian keeper was ruled to have moved a, moved a line early, and France scored from the right-taken spot kick. Nigeria still has a chance of making the knockout stage as one of the best third-placed teams.
Elsewhere, Norway reached the last 16 with a 2-1 win over South Korea, which was eliminated from the tournament. Action from the Copa America: Luis Suarez and Edison Cavani scored as Uruguay thrashed the ten-man Ecuador 4-0 in their Group C opener. Uruguay, which has won the continental tournament a record 15 times, will next face Japan. Coach Oscar Tabares. So far, in the games that I have seen in the Copa America, there are a lot of styles. I'm sure Japan is going to be among this characteristic. Japan, one of the guest teams of the tournament alongside Qatar, is returning to Copa America after 20 years with a young side. Their first group game against Chile is currently underway. In Group B, Paraguay squandered a 2-0 lead to draw 2-2 with Qatar. Roma legend Francesco Totti has resigned from his role as director, ending a 30-year association with the club. The 42-year-old says he was never involved in genuine decision-making in the club. I never had the chance to express myself. They never involved me in a technical project. In the first year, that can happen. In the second, I realized what I wanted to do, and we never got together. Never helped each other. Also because they knew my intentions, my desire to give a lot to this team and to this club. But to be honest, they never wanted it. Totti spent his entire professional career at Roma and retired from playing in 2017. He was reported to have a bad relationship with the club's American ownership. Roma finished sixth last season and missed out on the Champions League. Totti's exit follows former teammate Daniel De Rossi, who left the club at the end of last season after 18 years. The Asian Football Confederation has announced that the groups for the next round of World Cup qualifying will be drawn in Kuala Lumpur on July the 17th. The draw is for eight five-team groups. They will start play in September and finish next June. China is guaranteed a top seed spot after two recent wins in friendlies. Group winners and the four best runners-up will advance to the final qualifying round. Four teams will then qualify for the World Cup in Qatar. Asia can qualify another team in an intercontinental playoff round. The Raptors celebrated their first NBA championship with a parade in downtown Toronto. More than 1.5 million fans jammed the streets and the subways as Raptors players traveled in open-air buses with the Larry O'Brien Trophy. NBA Finals MVP Kawhi Leonard. It's amazing. Everybody's out. I don't believe nobody went into work today. Oh, they got the the first little hours of their day off. But look at it; it's crazy. Toronto Mayor John Tory earlier declared Monday with the North Day in the city after the franchise slogan in the playoffs. The last time Toronto held a sports celebration of this magnitude was after the Blue Jays won the World Series in 1993. The Raptors beat the Golden State Warriors 4-2 in the NBA Finals last week. In golf, American Gary Woodland held off a challenge by Brooks Koepka to capture the U.S. Open title at Pebble Beach. The world number 25 finished the tw-、uh, two under 69 to win his first major trophy by three shots. You know, I've worked hard my whole life. I've been surrounded by amazing people, and always just wanted to be successful. I didn't know what it was, what I was going to do.、I、fell in love with golf. It's transcended to today, and it's. It all kind of came out of me. I never let myself get ahead all day today. Just kept telling myself, "It's never over. It's never over. It's never over." When that last putt went in, it kind of all came out. 
like I was more nervous afterwards than I was at all today. So it was.、Uh, I'm glad it's over with. World number one Kopka failed to win the U.S. Open for third straight year. Justin Rose finished the tied for third with John Rahm and Xander Schauffele. Tiger Woods birdied six of his final twelve holes to finish the tournament at two under par. In Major League Baseball, today's action began a short time ago. Shane, what are the details? One of the best matchups today involves、uh, the top two teams of the American League East. The Tampa Bay Rays are visiting the New York Yankees, with the home team holding a half-game lead over the visitors in the East. This is the start of a three-game series between these American League East rivals. The AL West leading Houston Astros are in action. It's an interleague game in Cincinnati. The Atlanta Braves, leaders of the National League East, are hosting the New York Mets. Highlights coming. Up include the Boston Red Sox visiting the Minnesota Twins, and there are four games that are starting after ten o'clock this morning. The Orioles are at the Athletics. The Royals are visiting the Mariners. The San Francisco Giants have headed down south to take on the LA Dodgers, and the Brewers are in San Diego against the Padres. Everything in focus, all in one place. China Plus focuses on the Middle Kingdom, bringing you breaking news and the stories that matter to you. Search for China Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Fifty minutes past the hour, turning to entertainment news now. Veteran Chinese film director Ning Hao, president of the jury for this year's Asian New Talent Award, says that、uh, creativity is among the criteria to grant the awards. All members of the jury have agreed that personal creative vision, style, and aesthetics would be the important criteria to evaluate works presented by young filmmakers. Six films have been shortlisted to compete for the best film title at this year's awards, aiming at recommending, encouraging, and recognizing young filmmakers. Jury member Philip Chia of the Hanoi International Film Festival shared his surprise when watching the shortlisted films. We only see the, the famous big-budget blockbuster films, but、um, from my experience watching the Asian New Talent Award、um, films, there's a whole sector of of young talent which we don't know the names of. But the thing is that the films are really very good. So the 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 real challenge now is to bring. All sorts of Chinese films to any festival in around the world. It, it needn't be a big A-level festival. It can even be a smaller regional festival. Six nominees for best film in、uh, this year's Asian New Talent Awards include three titles from China: *Semi Little Clouds*, *The Fourth Wall*, and *To Live to Sing*. Other nominees include Iranian feature *The Graveless*, Japanese film *Blue Hour*, and Indian movie *Trijya Radius*. Three collections of short films competing for the Golden Goblet Awards will be screened in theaters in Shanghai on Thursday. Chinese director Song Taijia is among the jury members, and he says he thinks shooting a good short film is even more difficult than shooting a good long feature film. For a filmmaker, it's a real challenge to tell a complete story within a short time. However, it is also a good limitless test. A good short film shows the filmmaker's ability to maximize an audio-video performance. Earlier, short film "What Is Peppa" became an overnight internet sensation inside and outside of China. The five-minute version of the Peppa Pig movie, which isn't a trailer, more of a standalone short, can be seen on Weibo, one of the most popular social media websites in China. Song says the internet gives access to a short film which is scarcely available in cinemas. Short films could be made into a collection before due out in cinemas. 
It's a luxury for short film on screen in cinemas. Today, internet offers a platform for short films. Hence, the film producers may not worry too much about its distribution, and the people may watch it on their smartphones. Anyway, also says there's a lot of uncertainty for the future development of short films, but an emotional and heart-touching storyline will stay at the center, despite the length of the film. The jury for the Golden Goblet Awards at the 22nd Shanghai International Film Festival have talked about their judging standards for movies entering the main competition. Three Chinese movies, The Return, Spring Tide, and Vortex, entered the main competition. Two of them made by female directors, and Judge Zhao Tao expressed pleasure to see the growth of female Chinese filmmakers. I am pleased to see two female directors entering this section as a female actress and a female judge. I'm looking forward to better films. The Shanghai Film Festival is an international one. We have only one judging standard. That is the standard of arts. I believe the three Chinese movies could reach the international artistic standards. The judges for documentary and animation picture units also made their appearances.、Uh, they said they would judge movies by such standards as technology, storytelling, artistic appeal, and innovation, and hope that excellent international works would emerge and stand out from the competition. Movie experts discuss the development of China's movie industry at a summit during the Shanghai International Film Festival on Sunday. This year marks the 70th anniversary of the founding of the People's Republic of China. The Chinese Film Industry Summit invited representatives of the movie industry to look back on the development of China's movie industry in the past seven decades and discuss its future development. Shanghai Film Group President Ren Zhonglin、uh, talks about the the values behind the、uh, history. It is of great value to discuss the theme today, as China will develop from a big movie producer to a movie power. We shall not only reflect on the practical problems that arise along with the development, but also draw on something helpful from our past experience. Wanda Pictures President Zhang Maojun said that China's opening up means more opportunities. So, China's China's opening up is the biggest opportunity for us. This opening up needs us to bring in more foreign movies on one hand, and let more Chinese movies go to markets overseas on the other. All the winners of the Golden Goblet Awards and the new Asian talents will be announced next week. Suzanne Collins has a new Hunger Games novel coming out. It's a prequel set 64 years before the start of her multi-million-selling trilogy. Collins said in a statement on Monday that she wanted to explore what people perceive as necessary for survival. The Hunger Games books are set in a dystopian future where young people must fight and kill each other on TV. The new book takes place well before the lifetime of Hunger Games heroine Katniss Everdeen, played by Jennifer Lawrence, in the multi-billion-dollar Movie franchise currently untitled. That book is due to come out next May. We're at 56 past the hour. Beijing will be cloudy and 33 Celsius today. Overnight temperatures around 22. Chongqing will see a light rain and 26 degrees, a low of 21. And、that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news this morning: the Chinese president will visit North Korea on Thursday and Friday of this week. On behalf of the staff, this is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together.